Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. We've been in Romans for a while now, and we're in the last chapter, and God willing, this will be the final chapter of Romans. Romans 16, this is God's Word. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. <clears throat> Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sassipater, my relatives. I, Tertius, 
who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. So many names, like a phone book. I mean, what is this? What, does this really belong in the Bible? Is this really inspired? Of course it is. All scripture is inspired by God and all of it's profitable, but how do you profit from a list of the names of people you don't know? Well, for one thing, we should learn from this that individual people whom we may not know are significant in the sight of God. Satan is a judo expert. I say that from time to time because he wants to throw us off balance. He'll either get us into this error or he'll get us into this error if he possibly can. He just doesn't want us to walk in obedience to the Lord, understanding the truth. We are either prone toward having such an inflated idea about ourselves and our giftings and our importance that we are absolutely useless to God. Or we are prone toward feeling that I'm just a worm. I'm, I am nothing. I, I, I don't deserve to be here. I, I'm, I'm just wasting everyone else's air. Uh, uh in which case we are of no use to God or anyone else. How do you hit the balance? On the one hand, our life is a vapor. All of us are like grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of the Lord abides forever. You and I are not going to be around in 150 years. Not here, okay? But some people need to be brought down a peg. They need to realize life is short, I'm only here for a limited time, and I can do nothing apart from the Lord. In and of myself, I can do nothing. And we, apart from Him, have the audacity as creatures formed from the dirt to say to God, no thanks! I'm going to do it my way. How outrageous. And yet, the whole argument of Romans, the whole message is that all of us were like that. He starts off in Romans 1 saying he's going to proclaim the gospel of a righteousness that comes from God. And then he proceeds to tell about God's wrath being revealed against the wickedness of people, and he describes a whole bunch of really perverse things. And everybody's oh yes, that's disgusting. And then toward the end of that description, he mixes in a few things that some people might, if they're paying attention, say, oh, well, I do that. And so then in chapter 2, he says, you who 
point the finger at other people. You're no better than they are. And he talks about the sins of the religious. And he makes the case, going into Romans 3, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve God's wrath. That's why the good news is so amazing that God came to save sinners. So, when we come to this chapter, please realize that on the one hand, he's not saying in and of ourselves we're just magnificent. Okay? He's saying that in Christ, we're a new creation, and that new creation is not shoddy. It's beautiful. Remember back in chapter 15, he said in verse 14 of chapter 15, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Would you dare say that about your fellow Christian? You're full of goodness and competent to instruct one another. Well, Paul says that. Well, those people in Rome must have been really extraordinary. Those people in Rome were Christians. Vance Havner said, if you are just the same as you've always been, you're not a Christian. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, maybe that's the problem with a lot of people who think they're Christian. They're not. Yeah, that is the problem with a lot of folks. But I'll tell you something else. There are a lot of Christians who really aren't the same. They've trusted Christ, and the devil is perpetually trying to convince them that they are still worthless to God. Each one of these names is significant. Each one of these names is, these are the Christians he's sending greetings to. These are people who are precious in God's sight, and you and I are going to get to meet them one day. Furthermore, regarding the significance of all these individuals, I mean, some of them got a little more press than others. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, who, by the way, he lists the wife first there. And boy, whole you know, doctoral theses have been done on that. But um, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And, he says, greet also the church that meets at their house. So they were property owners. Now, these were tent makers like Paul, but they did well in business and they had bought a house. They weren't living in a tent. They were living in a house and it was enough of a house to be able to accommodate a whole bunch of believers. Now, it wasn't that all the believers in Rome met at their house. Notice what it says. Greet also the church that meets at their house. And then he lists a bunch of other people who apparently weren't a part of that church. Almost as if within a given locale, God could be blessing more than one group of people who meet together to worship him. How can that be? I thought our job was to go into every community and figure out which church is the right one, which one is the true church. 
Hey, we've got brothers and sisters meeting in various places, worshiping God in various ways, and we need to love one another and pray for one another. Every weekend, I'm praying down a list of people who are serving God faithfully, including in this area. Okay? Don't ever get this mindset that, you know, oh, I found the church. It is the church. No. But God does call groups of people together and they meet together and they love one another and they serve one another and they pray for one another and that is what the church is supposed to be doing. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is so, these folks, some of them get a little more press, Priscilla and Aquila, definitely. But then some of the other folks, it's just their name that's mentioned. Just their name. This is one of the points God put on my heart for you today. The amount of press you get does not determine your worth. The amount of press that you get does not determine your worth. A life of 175 years in the Bible, a person who lived 175 years, is recorded in the span of 14 chapters. And that was Abraham. Now you think 14 chapters, that's a lot. Well, for 175 years, surely that's just the highlights. I mean, think of all the days of Abraham that didn't get written about. And sometimes... A group of years that were written about just got one verse. Okay? But nevertheless, day after day after day after day after day after day after day, he was walking, living. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't feel like a lot is happening. Well, maybe you're like Isaac. Okay? I mean, Abraham's life was apparently a lot more eventful than Isaac's. Jacob gets a lot more press than Isaac. But God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you are a Christian, God is the God of you. You may feel that your life is insignificant. But it is significant to God. It is significant to God. Jesus said, not one sparrow falls to the ground, apart from the Father's notice, and you are worth more than many sparrows. God's paying attention to you. His eye is on you. He sees what you do. He knows before a word is on your tongue, God God knows what you're going to say. Okay? He loves you. Please know that. Jesus says, in fact, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Because civilizations are going to go away. But you're going to be around forever. Not here. This life is like grass. 
okay? We fade, but that's not the end. We're going to live forever. Hallelujah. And read the first epistle of John. I refer to it often. We're going to be like him. We're going to be like him. You say, you know, I see myself in the mirror and it's just... (laughs) Our bodies wear out, but we're going to live forever and we're going to be like Jesus and it's going to be glorious and you need to be rejoicing and not letting the devil put you on this trip that says your life doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You're here for a purpose. If you're still breathing, God's got a plan for you. Your soul is worth more than all the things that this world treasures. He values you. He values you. That's the main message today, but I can't leave chapter 16 without making a few other notes. Please notice, because people from time to time who don't know the Scriptures and don't know the Lord... They say from time to time, and you'll hear it, that the Apostle Paul just had a problem with women. He did not have a good view of women. He was anti-woman. That's why women aren't supposed to be pastors, and, and Paul says women are to be silent in church and so forth. It's because Paul just had a problem with women. Well, I haven't read Romans 16. I haven't read the rest of it either. But, I mean, this totally gives the lie to that. If you look at the list of people that Paul is saying, be sure and greet this person and celebrate this person and recognize what this person's done. It's woman after woman after woman. Now, there are men mixed in too, but he even puts Priscilla before Aquila. And she was the woman. Well, Pastor, are you trying to, you know, kind of subvert the order here and try and say that, you know, there's really, uh, Let's see, how does Paul put it elsewhere in Christ? There's neither male nor female. Is that what you're trying to say? This gender thing is irrelevant. It's irrelevant as far as worth. Not as far as role. Not as far as responsibility. Not as far as God's order for the family or for the church. But as far as worth, Paul says elsewhere, the women need to remember they were the ones who sinned first. Okay? It was Eve who was deceived. She gave the fruit to Adam. And he goes on and he points out the fact that nobody gets into this world except through a woman. You understand? His point is not women are bad, men are good. His point is all of us are entirely dependent upon God's grace. Don't try and jockey for position. Don't try and make yourself significant by grabbing hold of something that isn't your assigned role. Be like Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, became a servant, and was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Women are supposed to be the helper. That's very demeaning. It's the term that's used to describe the Holy Spirit, who is God himself. It's not demeaning. It's a way of being like him. So anybody who thinks that Paul just had a problem with women needs to read what God spoke through Paul, celebrating women who served faithfully in serving the Lord. 
and whose work was vital, one of whom, he says, was like a mother to me. Look at verse 19. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. We live in a culture that mocks innocence. We live in a culture that is aggressively corrupting the morals and mindsets of children. We live in a culture where the idea of being innocent, not knowing about bad stuff, is, is just, that's just the epitome of stupidity. No, it's not. Innocence is not stupid. Innocence is precious. Wonderful. Well, I think we still need to know, I mean, the evil. I, I've been to some seminars to try and understand the issues of our day. I wanted to go home and take a shower. Because it was like, well, you, you need to know about this stuff. Well, in some cases you do, but, huh. There's a whole lot of stuff we really don't need to know. I have two septic tanks in front of my house. There have been two occasions in the last 30 years when they've needed to be pumped out. I never really wanted to watch. Hey, could you put that in a glass tank? I'd like to see what's in there. No! No! It's nasty. You know that if it's in the septic tank, you don't want it anymore. Amen? And sin, you don't need to understand all the details. Just, uh, no, uh-uh. No, that's not good. I can tell you right now that's not good. When he says, I want you to be innocent about what is evil, he is echoing what Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 16. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You're to be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. As harmless as a dove, he said. As harmless as a dove. You and I need to realize that even when we know about bad stuff, our life should be characterized by innocence. People shouldn't wonder if we did that or not. Final benediction. Verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that... All nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. What is the purpose of the gospel? What are we here for? What's this all about? It is in order that the nations, all the nations, might believe and obey him. Obedient faith, that's the goal. And it's not just for us and for our neighbors, it is for all the nations of the earth. And that's why Paul said he was doing what he was doing. That's why he wanted to go to Spain, new uncharted territory. 
God has a heart for the nations. And the reason is because individuals matter. People matter. And if you and I really believe that, not getting proud of ourselves, but being grateful to God and realizing He has redeemed us and made us His own, if we believe that, it will impact how we treat ourselves and it will impact how we treat others. So, take care of yourself. Take care of one another. Love one another as you love yourself. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.